Hello and welcome to the Creighton Crog Crogcast. Perfect. <laughs> it's Wednesday, the nineteenth of February. Yeah, and it is the three hundred and twelfth pod. What kind of pod is it? About PC games. That's correct. I'm Alex Wiltshire, and Wait. with me tonight is Marsh Davis. Good evening. Good evening, Alex. You and me. It's just us two. Was that just out of interest? We're not going to use that intro, are we? Yes. Oh, shit. Obviously. <laughs> this is rolling now. There's no way to stop this train. Um, yes. Shall we plow straight on through, um, through the snow drifts, through the snow drifts, through the cattle on the line <laughs> into, uh, into news? For me, there's only one bit of news. What's that news? Well, there's only one topic of news. What's that? The hunt. The hunt. The hunt eclipses all, uh, as it's rightfully should, yeah. Hunt showdown. No the in front of it, just hunt. Doesn't even need an article. That's how all eclipsing it is. <laughs> uh, there has been some hunt news, actually, because they released um, a big update. And um, so the last time I talked about it, I think I was complaining about how there was no onboarding for noobs. And uh, now there is onboarding for noobs. You, whole- never, you won't know about it because you ain't a noob. No, I mean, I don't need it anymore, uh, cause I'm fucking pro hunter. Actually, I, 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 I killed, I killed some people in pretty, pretty good style today, such that the, uh, the person playing, I was playing with, our friend Jim Rossignol, said that I should now be known as Beast Mode. <laughs> That's my new name. So, yeah, make sure you use it, Alex. Um, well done. Thanks. Yeah. But anyway, this new onboarding mode is really good. Um, it's just PVE solo. And it just teaches you what you need to do on a map in order to find the bounty and uh, kill the monsters and escape. And it gives you some you know, silly in-game money points for it. Do you get to... Um, is it a place you can go back to to try out guns and things? Yes, although you don't earn anything through it. So there's no XP grind, which is slightly annoying from my perspective because I hate waiting for things. Um But you can go into it with any set of equipment that you like and test them out, which is quite useful. Yeah. Just to get used to the way that things work. Because, because all yeah, the, I, the are... first time I used my weapons in that game, uh, it was in a situation where I needed to use them well. I think that's the, basically the testing period of anything new in that game. Yeah. And not everything works in the way you think it does, because they're all fucking oldie-worldie guns, which you need to cock in unusual ways. And some of them, you know, are, uh, what's it called? Repeating. Uh, and some of them aren't. And then, yeah, everything's a little bit different. So it's good to be able to try them out. Yeah. 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 That's good. That is good. What is the best monster that you have hunted in that game? Um, actually, you know, the bosses are pretty interesting sometimes. Like, um, you'd think that they were just there just as a sort of, they needn't be as good as they are. I think maybe they aren't like a boss battle on the scale of like a Dark Souls boss because basically they are there essentially to take up players time and resources whilst other players on the level can then surround them. I mean, by scale, you mean kind of intricacy, 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 intricacy and kind of finesse required, you mean? Yeah. I mean, you can pretty much sort out any boss by blowing them up with dynamite, for example. So there's, you know, there aren't like multiple stages. There's no kind of bullet hell style dodging, but they are by themselves still quite formidable foes. Uh, with their own like, little attack patterns and things that you need to prepare for or not. 
Yeah. This is the case. It's such a good game. I fucking love it, Alex. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering something. Yeah. Well, uh, cause I, I have not been on the hunt despite having started the segment with me suggesting that I'm all about the hunt. I'm not all about the hunt at all. I very much like it and haven't had to be able to devote, devote any time to it whatsoever <laughs> because all my friends play with each other and they don't invite me in. And oh, I'm sorry. It does. Yeah, it, it's, it's now got popular enough amongst my friendship group that, um, it, there, there's, it's, it's, it's hard to know who to play with at any one point because <laughs> you're only allowed three, three players and that's, three. that's too small. But I, I was wondering point. whether you, um, so, so just to clarify, Hunt mm. is a, is a kind of a PVE slash PVP game in which you and one or two other chums go out into a very grim, uh, alternative west to shoot gribs and, and get away with the spoils without other players taking them from you. Um, but, uh, one of the things that you, because you, you've been playing with Jim Rossinol. Yes. Jim Rossinol has been playing it a lot. And he's got this preternatural awareness of the world. He knows where things are happening. Mm. I was wondering whether you've got any of that sense yet. Like where you feel, <laughs> you hear a sound and think, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. More and more and more, uh, as the more I play it. Uh, I don't have Jim's skills. I mean, he was, he was also a near pro, uh, Quake player back in the day. So he has, uh, Quake 3 player, but it's, so he has just general first person shooter skills. Uh, that I, I just never possessed. <laughs> but I do find myself knowing now where, you know, what the likely distance of shots are and where they're likely to have been. Um, I need to refer to the map though, because I don't necessarily remember where the places are. So there's a little bit of learning. It's interesting. I, I was thinking about this, whether um, they could ever expand that game to other environments. I don't think they really could. So it's actually, I mean, you said it was the West. I'm not quite well, clear. It's not, is it? Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's kind of Bayou, kind of it's south, the south, east, but, yeah, south. But does the South also count as the West when it's sort of of a period? I don't know if the West really def- is defined by the West. Because, I mean, like, Red Dead Redemption is set in the West, and a lot of it isn't in the West. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It's more West than the more. Bayou, isn't it? Because <laughs> Bayou is like East Coast, isn't it? Uh, where's Louisiana? Southeast coast. Yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't really know. I mean, yeah. There's a Louisiana style environment in Red Dead Redemption too. So, I mean, who knows? Basically, <laughs> not us. Um, but I don't think it could really be set anywhere else because geographically relies on, uh, a, a, well, a certain spacing of, um, human built environments mm-hmm. uh well we kind of wills and see bits in between or flat like and then unpopulated areas in between yes but it wouldn't work if those unpopulated areas weren't swampy right as well why like um because the fact that there's such a large amount of low lying to to waste height water would be improbable in any other setting obviously and also it, it really just tames the 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 strategy of how you move around that environment and also tactically like you never want to be crossing uh, a big gulch when you're likely to be under attack you know well could you could you translate it so for instance sort of um maybe like a northwest yeah i was thinking and like a snow mountainous sort of yeah uh, snow drift but then but then snow i mean it would be a different kind of problem i suppose wouldn't it yeah you wouldn't be able to you better hide in the snow as easily as you can the reeds of a of a mm. swamp swampy bank you definitely need lots of cover in that game yeah it's very good with sight lines like it's very the sight lines are very far and near and far and near and they've all been thought about yeah that's the thing yeah it's such a such a sophisticated piece of uh level design 
that they I, I don't know what it was like when it when it was first out you know uh and whether it's evolved hugely since then like in terms of the the layout of the levels but um not only do they feel incredibly naturalistic and you know inc- beautifully detailed but also they are obviously very well honed for the action that occurs on them. Like you, you never go up a place and then go up a little kind of ruined tower and then have a perfect 360 view. There's always like a swampy looking tree just in the, the place that would obscure your view of somebody <laughs> else's spawn point, etc. You know, they've obviously, they've obviously played enough of that map and then changed it in order to, to make it an amazing playable space. But it just, it doesn't feel like a game space. It feels so organic. Um, it's also really beautiful. This is the other thing that's changed about my playing of the game is that when I first started playing it, it was, it's, you know, it's a, it's a cursed swamp. It's you know, hell has come to the bayou and, um, you, you, it's quite an oppressive place. There are, you know, these horrible looking dog creatures roaming it and men who are mostly slugs now and uh, other horrible things. One of the most, the worst creatures in it is the, um, is the hive uh, uh is that the bee person bee lady yeah bee so lady. it's a it's a lady who's obviously um died in some horrible way and a, a huge termite style structure has erupted out of her rib cage basically while her head kind of lolls at 90 degrees behind her and uh you know she if she sees you she screams and lets out a swarm of bees which is appalling <laughs> um uh but uh, her aside um like, I find it a really relaxing, beautiful place to be now, <laughs> you know. Um, the environments are genuinely beautiful. And there's, and when, you know, if you're not right next to a screaming bee lady or a horde of dogs or other players shooting you through the brain pan, like, the noises of that environment are, are really relaxing and pleasant. Like, there's lots of nice little bird, bird calls and uh, you know, <laughs> the stridulations of insects and the, just the, the noises of creaking wood and, uh, lapping of water and reeds and ducks. Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to appreciate about the, the natural splendor that they've recreated and then utterly barbarized. <laughs> I was playing a little bit of Red Dead Redemption 2 and, um, very much i've hmm. basically i want to i want a nature hunt in that game at the moment just spotting spotting wild animals oh, it's, it's a fucking That's fabulous what I've been doing. Yeah. fabulous environment like those but the birds in that game cool they oh. all sound different they, they all really sound do. different i think i read today there's like I, I, I can't remember the number there's a lot of species there's some in bird, it. <laughs> there's some species in that game yeah yeah there are yeah because I keep finding new ones and thinking, oh, I've drawn a yeah. sketch of it in my little book. I've been um, uh, planning uh, where I will go next for my next national park visit in the States, based largely on Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> being like looking up what is the heartlands in reality and trying to try and see if there's a national park that I can go visit. There is. Um, but well, might that change now that uh, you'll go to the bayou instead? I'm going to the I, What's you know, your most haunted bayou? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think the insects could give you a bit of bother in the bayou. I'm not very good with leeches uh, or um, mosquitoes. So uh, I think... I might. But it sounds like you've hardened yourself to the unrelenting grimness of <laughs> the hunt. Uh, so I think that you'd probably harden yourself against the flesh-eating insects of the real world yeah. as well. Alligators. <laughs> well, it won't bother me. Yeah. The other thing, one other thing, one last observation before I finish boring everybody about the hunt. Sorry, hunt. Um, is that, uh, I don't, f- I, f- I find, I found a sense of zen, uh, 
in it when I'm beaten, which I haven't found in other shooters specifically. And I don't know. I, I think it's probably because, um, I just, so it's, it's weird. We, we sort of toyed with the idea of mentioning, um, some tweet by Ninja, who is a streamer who is talking about, um, being angry after being defeated. And he was saying it should, you should be angry because if you're not angry, then you're at peace with losing. And so you've lost twice or something like that. Anyway, who cares what he thinks? It doesn't really matter. But the, 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 the thing about this game is that I do not feel at all aggrieved when, better players than me have nailed me from 160 meters with, you know, a super powerful scoped rifle. I feel like that's being like being angry at like a mudslide or something. You know? <laughs> it's just a natural state of yeah. things. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, you'll find yourself at the epicenter of a four-way battle uh, between four different teams and there's really nothing you're going to do there. You are going to die. And that's <laughs> absolutely fine. And... Uh, I think maybe it's partly because of my absolute helplessness that I don't feel grieved, whereas maybe better players who would have a chance of getting out of that situation right. uh, would be angry. I was think, trying Ninja to compare this. Ninja would be pleased with you. I'm, I'm sure that he would find me wanting in many respects. Um, <laughs> but I was comparing this to the way I used to feel about um, Halo. And I, mm. I used to get really angry when we were playing, uh, playing Halo, just because I, I think it's because your failure is seeded across because the combat takes a long time it takes a long time to take somebody's health down to zero that failure is seeded across a much longer space of time so you an idiot like me can trick themselves into thinking that they could have won a battle <laughs> whereas in hunt it's so instantaneous like eh, i'm dead now oh well i think it might be something also in the cadence of it where mm. you know in a shooter like even the halo you know it's relatively slow to put down for shields and, and health but mm. you're you know, if you're, if you die, you could easily die twice in 20 seconds, right? You know, right. You kind of die, respawn and die again. Easily you can, you know, and that kind of cadence of two, yeah. three, four deaths on the trot is, you know. And then and you the tilt and you start making bad decisions as yeah, well. And then you start, yeah, you start being stupid. Yeah. There's much more of a reset in Hunt because you're starting yeah. with a different character and then you're loading in. So for even though like your loss time. is mm. much more punitive because that entire run is gone. You may well have even lost a character. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's maybe something in the. Yeah. And it starts so slow every yeah. time as well. So that you, you can't really tilt in the same way because you're not being thrust back into the same mm. decision making trees that you failed at the previous time straight away. Mm. Whereas in Halo, you'd be like, fuck it. I'm going to get that guy. Yeah. Oh, and then he would kill me him. again. <laughs> right. I'm even more angry now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good game though, Halo. Made me very angry. This doesn't. Even better game. I remember the sessions of Halo. We used to play um, Halo 3 in the office. Yeah, Rich Stanton used to fucking pound everybody. <laughs> oh, God, he, he was... It got quite... It felt quite personal sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I Well, in a weird way, I mean, you couldn't be too angry at Stanton winning for those same similar reasons, because, like... He would just stay up until dawn playing it, yeah. and I would go to bed at ten. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just wouldn't have put the hours in. Uh, so there's not really a chance I could have end, ended justice, up competing with him. Justice was balanced. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's why I only play co-op games now, <laughs> or against faceless enemies who I don't mind uh, yelling obscenities at across the internet, or zombie dogs, or zombie dogs. Yeah, fuck those dogs. 
the dogs are actually still the scariest animal in that in that game. I think get me more often than any other creature. You've been playing anything? I have uh, a little bit. Yeah, I've been playing a game called um, Scourgebringer. Have you heard of Scourgebringer? No. That's Bring a very game scourge. name, though, right? It's really very game. Very, very, very game. What? Tell me what kind of a game you'd think that Scourgebringer Is it would under be. the Warhammer license in any way? No, no, it okay. isn't. It isn't. It's oh. not an angry dwarf, no. <laughs> um, I think Scourgebringer is a, uh RTS game in which mm. you are the bad guy you're like a necromancer or something the bringer of a scourge a bringer of a scourge yeah oh, i see that's unless yeah okay and then you you're raising a zombie army it, yeah sure nice. okay is no. it is it like no. a, a match no. three game about yes. kind of unicorns yeah. or something yeah okay <laughs> excellent no it, it, of course it is in fact a roguelike oh really <laughs> <laughs> it has the most beautiful art so this is a it's a very action roguelike hmm. it is Top um uh, no side on um in which so it's very very um uh a gungeony feeling so it's that kind of twitchy twitchy sort of dash roll if you basically if you imagine celeste mm. add a bit of gungeon mm. and it's kind of like that ish i see lovely pixel graphics lovely pixel graphics it's got little bells hanging on things and when you go past the bells they ring Lovely. Oh, what kind of ring? Is it like little, a dingle? Little tinkles. Little they, tinkles. And each of the different types of bells, like different, different visual types of bells, they they make a lot of different dingle. Wow. Although now Red Dead in the Redemption game proper, doesn't have that, does it? That was in the um no, that was in the uh, the tutorial ever tutorial ever area hmm. area, and I haven't seen them since. Not in the main game. They oh. might be. I I still haven't got past the first area. Would you say that the bells end? Yes. <laughs> That's very good. So this is a so this is a game where you um you it's um you have a gun but mm. you don't use the gun very much your ammo only resupplies when you do a lot of melee hits melee kills uh, so it's it's very much about melee mm. um, you have a quick melee attack and you have a stun slower stunning melee attack and you have your gun mm. uh, those are the three attacks uh, and. You are jumping and run, jump, like wall jumping and running and jumping. But you can also, you've also got a dash. That's a celesty kind of dash, except for this dash is quite long, like half a length of the screen long. Oh, wow. And it can go directly, it go in any direction. Can you abort it halfway? Uh, no. Right, okay. No, you can't. Mm. So uh, it's a game where you're zipping from enemy to enemy. And when you slash, yeah. you kind of hang in space a little bit. It's got a really lovely feel to it, mm. like really sort of... um uh, you know, just a, a very good game feel, really crunchy. Mm. So you feel the impacts. Um, you know pretty much what's going on all the time. The enemies' attacks are pretty well telegraphed because it's a roguelike when you lose some health. Like it's, that's a pretty bad thing. You start off with, I think, eight health. Cause I've got an upgrade now, which has taken my health count up, my initial health count up, but I think you start with eight. Hmm. Um, so you have a fair amount of health, but you, you can easily lose that very, very quickly. But so it's good that the enemy's, um, uh, attacks are telegraphed and you're in a set of, uh, levels randomly generated, obviously with on, on a grid. Uh, so you're kind of connecting from room to room and you clear the room and then the doors open and you generally have two waves of enemies in each room hmm. in general. Are the rooms themselves? 
procedure generated or is it just very tile but like you you see the patterns every Uh time but the way they're connected is is pretty usual and now there's a shop shop in every in in every area there is a sub boss in every area you have to kill that sub boss in order to unlock the exit to the to the area when to in order to get to the next area you've got to kill a big boss and i have not killed the big boss at all Mm. like this that that guy's a fucker what where is this what is this world who are you what's your what's my motivation i wasn't paying any attention (laughs) (laughs) but it's sort of sci-fi it's a bit sci-fi a bit bit twee Mm. bit all over the place so uh the uh kind of a hub area is called the chiming tree oh and the first area is called entangled ingress Hmm. so it's got like a sort of slightly magical reality sci-fi feel to it Maybe a little twee, maybe mm. a little twee, but those bells are really nice when you <laughs> brush past them. So I'm, gonna, I, I'm willing to accept yeah. it. Um, can you can you um, find a bell in the in, in, entangled ingress, or is that uh, I haven't found any bells in the entangled, uh, but there are some back in the uh, the chiming tree. So the bell end in. essentially is in the entangled ingress. Is that right? Yeah, I'm really working hard for this <laughs> pointless, <laughs> pointless childishness. <laughs> um, it, it's a it's a funny one because most roguelikes, right? They thrive on the feeling of developing a build, hmm. right? and I haven't really had that with this one. Um, there's on every level. There's a one of the rooms is one where you get an upgrade, um, and the upgrades they are powerful. And there's only one or two that I've come across that are quite sort of build related. So there's one uh, upgrade I found which. Um, uh, increases this time you stun an enemy t- by 50% and increases your damage against them while they're stunned. So that's quite big. So there are some larger enemies that you encounter which take so many hits that they, hmm. you don't stun, you can't stun hit them when you hit them. Th- right. If they're going to wind up to attack you, you can't cancel that by hitting them. So you, if you're in the middle of meleeing them to death, and they want to hit you, they're going to do it while you're, while you're hitting them. I see. So stunning them is really important to, um, to give you the space mm. to be able to finish them off. Does that make it so like almost a Metroidvania style upgrade rather than just a, a build upgrade that you get that upgrade and you're actually solving a problem, which you would otherwise find impassable? There, so there are some subs so sort of in the shop. There are other smaller upgrades which do may complement them a little bit Hmm. but again i've not really found a kind of an exciting sort of oh wow that's a way to play the game it's basically just okay now my gun's a bit better and now i i can hit a bit faster and now i can you know it's not not, nothing's really there is there's one actually there is one upgrade i came across uh which um which increased your damage by 10 percent for every kill you make uh, while you stayed in midair. So if you can stay oh, in midair, right. you can boost your damage up and up and up by right. just keep continually killing stuff. As soon as you hit the ground, it resets. And that was cool. Um, it was no good against the boss, obviously. Well, well, not obviously. The boss in the first of the first area does not have any kind of, um, uh, sort of, what is it? What were they called? Sort of chaff enemies. It's, it's on its own. So it's not useful there, hmm. but like in general, general terms, it's quite interesting, quite useful. But it, it's, yeah, it's funny. Like the feel of it is really, really good. It's really fast. The sound effects are really nice. The looks, looks beautiful. Mm. Is it 3D? 2D? You 2D. 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 Pixels. Mm. Pixel, pixels. But, um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I, you know, ding. yeah, and I don't, I don't know how to kill the, the main boss. Like I've, so he does this because it's, you uh, amazingly your dash does not give you invulnerability, which is a oh. real surprise. Like, and they know that it's a surprise because it's actually a point made in the tutorial. <laughs> you are not invulnerable while you're dashing <laughs> because you assume that, right? And it almost every game the yeah. dash is an invulnerable move, but in this one you're dashing all the time, so they can't really make you invulnerable. And it, which means you're constantly dashing into bullets and dashing into attacks, which is the source of most of my problems. But the, that boss, the, the head of the, the, the first uh, area, he has some really nasty, great big bullet room fill, you know, room filling bullet attacks, oh. which I literally don't know how to, how, because you, I feel I have to be moving all the time. So I'm always going to hmm. dash into the. Do, do you think that will be solved by an upgrade or do you think there's a, just not a... one I've seen. Huh. It's interesting. Hmm. I don't know. What I'm worried about is that. So every time you play or to a certain point, you'll get an upgrade point, which you can play, um, which you can cash in back at the chiming tree. And, uh, and one of the first upgrades there is one extra health. And I'm thinking, Oh dear. It's not going to be. Oh, what you're going to have to grind. Oh my God. And it's Mm. a big skill tree. And what the, another interesting thing about it is that all the skills that aren't immediately adjacent to the next, you know, like, so, so the, the, there aren't the, the, uh, the skills unlocked are unlocked on rows across a big grid. So you can only see the very next skill. Laterally, mm. so you can only ever see, and because there are two sides of the skills that you're unlocking, you can only ever see two choices of skills you can unlock at any time until you start kind of opening oh. up areas. So it's a little big block of question marks. So I have no idea where I'm steering this thing. I don't know if that's fun. That lack of knowledge. No, I I want to know. I want to know what you're working towards. Yeah, you want to know what you want to working towards. You also want to know where where does the skill lie? Like where does the yeah like. Am I not killing the boss because I'm not powerful enough yet or because I'm shit? I hope I'm shit. (laughs) There are kind of enough of these sorts of roguelike um, action games now that you as a developer, you probably need to tip your hat to what's awaiting later in the game. I don't know that you can obfuscate because our player is going to give you the benefit of the doubt when there's there's so much other competition that your game will suddenly emerge and become this you know open thing with lots of skill choices and rich decisions that you know really affect the way that things play out. I think yeah. you need to show that stuff up front to some extent, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like um, the the kind of rogue lucky games where. Um, you know, like the first few times, oh, you get back to the to hub and like, oh, look, now I can upgrade, you know, I can, I can get more health and I can see the scale of the health that I'm going to get, you know, for, for games and games in the future. But then on the 20th run, I go back to the hub or I get to a certain point in, you know, you know, I achieve a certain kind of depth into the game that it unlocks a whole new way to upgrade stuff. I like that. I like the idea of kind of something unknown. Oh, wow, look at this. Now we can do that. That's cool. That's fine, even though it was invisible at the start. But the fact is you can see how you can develop your character up until that point. And because you're at the the, the kind of the shallow end of the skill pool at that point, you're, oh, well, I only want more health. You know, I, w- mm. I only want to increase my damage by 1% every, every upgrade point. Right. But when the entire thing is apparently... Like this great big grid is all question marks. That's 
seems like we're not going to tell you as opposed to yeah. cool secrets ca- are coming. That looks like um, something I just Google. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But it might be, they might have that kind of thing as well, but it's interesting. Yeah. It, you, I don't know what the shape of it is. Yeah. I don't know mm. whether it's a game about kind of scaling, scaling your character or getting better. It's definitely, you know, there is a, it is a skillful game. It's definitely a skillful game. I've already forgotten its name. Blightbringer? Scourgebringer. Scourgebringer. Bring the scourge. Bring the scourge. Hmm. Lovely bells. Lovely bells. What have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a couple of games, one of which uh, also has uh, actual bell ends in it. Um, I've been playing um, a saucy little game called Good Time Garden, which is playable uh, at a price of your choosing or none at all on itch.io. Uh, itch.io, whatever. Both this and the other game I've been playing this this week are sort of the the, <laughs> the exact opposite end of the spectrum from Hunt Showdown. Uh, <laughs> they are both short, narr- sort of not narrative experience. Well, one of them is a narrative experience. Uh, Good Time Garden is sort of a point and click, but uh, you are this... Um, Sexy garden, good time garden. That garden's up for a good time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it's about. It's a sexy garden. Uh, it's, you, you, you're dropped into this, uh, pink, sort of slightly fleshy looking world as a pink, slightly fleshy looking little creature with a, a little hose pipe-ish nose and uh, <laughs> testicles that are visible. Um, and, I can see why you got it now. And you wander around and you um, uh, squirt water or something out of your nose, uh, or you can spank things, uh, or you can pick things up. And uh, it's a, a short game, essentially, in which you uh, feed a variety of other unctuous little creatures to a um, giant face slash tumour, which seems to be really getting off on it. Um, and, uh, everything else in the world is just, you know, there's little crevices and, uh, suggestive looking bulbs and, and things. Um, it's not, it's not like super explicitly <laughs> crude, but it's just, it's sort of, um, cheeky in a, in a kind of, you know, little, little drawing of a, of a ding dong you might see on a post-it note kind of level of naughtiness. Um, <laughs> But it's it's quite funny. It's you know it's incredibly short and um, it's sort of yeah pleasingly rude. It's good. I like it. Um, the other game, slightly slightly more worthy, uh, is Florence, which is a game that came out on phones um, a couple of years ago. Yes, but it's only just made its way to Steam, and it, it is also a, a, sh- a short experience. It's m- it's more or less a visual novel in that there is only one trajectory for the storyline, and you can't f- affect it. Particularly, there may be some very minor ways in which your your actions are reflected in the, in the way things play out. But generally, generally speaking, it's just a it's just a story about um, Florence uh, meeting a fella and going out with a fella, and how that relationship uh, then unfolds and what happens afterwards. Um, how is it told? Like, what was the um there are many ways to do a visual novel these days. Was there, is there, was there anything phone specific about it? So I was, one of the things I was hoping you might have played it because we could have discussed whether it was justified in that medium. I think, I think it is, but it's, 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 it's mostly laid out as a series of sort of, um, slightly animated vignettes 
Right. But I mean, it could be a graphic novel, basically. It's just, you know, you're essentially swiping from page to page, more or less, even if sometimes those pages go down, uh, rather than, you know, right. fold over. Um, but there are interesting things about the way it defines interaction. So, uh, it's, it's all very, very simple. Um, but sometimes the, those very simple reactions can be quite effective in suggesting uh, a mood or, or, a, or a, way of conduct sounds super vague um so an example of this would be that when you uh first go on a date with this this guy um you have to assemble their speech bubbles yourself and it's just like a, a jigsaw puzzle basically there's a, a bubble shape and you have all these pieces around that you then slot in to, to make the speech bubble speech bubble doesn't contain any speech huh. it is just a, a suggestion a puzzle of a it's just a suggestion that you have replied basically but then so it's not a, it's not a hard task to put these puzzle pieces together but then as you go through the conversation you realize that the puzzle is actually getting simpler there's fewer options and huh. the the pieces slot together in a more obvious way and it's a good way of mirroring how her conversation with this person becomes easier and more natural hmm. and then it does similar things later when they have an argument which goes in a in a different way um and so it's, it's, it's sort of playing with those kind of really low level, um, interactions, really simple interactions, but doing but something reflect, quite effective with them. They kind of reflect kind of a emotion that's happening in the story at that point. Yeah. And it is, it is beautifully, uh, drawn and the, the music in it is glorious as well. Um, and it's, it's quite a sweet, uh, story. And some of the, the, the moments that it depicts are, are things, uh, that are quite truthful. I think when you first move in together with the person, that you meet, you are, um, unpacking stuff and you have to choose, uh, where people's stuff go and you have to make sacrifices of Florence's items, personal items. And, you know, in, in order to accommodate space for your, your, um, boyfriends. Um, and it's just in those kind of really small ways, it, it, it is quite a telling game about just relationships and having relationships. And, um, I wish, I, f I feel like it doesn't quite pay off uh, in a profound way. It's it's still a sweet story, and and um, uh, I'm absolutely delighted to have played it. But I don't feel like it necessarily really concludes in any with any profundity. Not that I was really looking for profundity, but there's no real coda to it. There's no real well, this is what was learnt. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's some a, stuff happened. Yeah. Um, and relationships, eh? Yeah. But that's okay. I don't mind that. I also wish there was, in those speech bowls, I wish there was a little bit more context about, um, what kind of conflict they are having at any one point. Because, you know, they have an argument in a supermarket and, uh, that has consequences for the relationship. But like, there's nothing, there's, it's just a placeholder for an argument that one might have. And it's a placeholder for, things that go wrong in a relationship but i don't know what those things are no, you there know there's nothing specific to this couple and their, no. kind of their relationship and and you know like it's got a named character and the characters are so precisely drawn and full of life and uh they feel like they have larger lives and so you kind of want for a little bit more context a little bit more specificity about why this is happening or at least something you can relate to like it's i don't think it's quite enough just to say hmm? is it a writing problem 
No, I think it's a, it's an intention. It's an intentional decision that right. they've stripped it of uh, of signifiers that Specific- you could yeah. specificity. But for me, it doesn't. It just doesn't resonate quite as strongly as if they had gone for something specific, like that decision of you know taking things off yourself so you can accommodate somebody else's possessions. That's a really specific thing that I can directly relate to, and that feels really meaningful. Like, oh yeah, I, I know. What that's but like. do you do, but do you feel that your uh, decisions in that led to anything? You, know, if you, I, you if get if a different achievement first. Uh, I think, achievement. but I don't that's, think yeah, it, it does weird. not Extraneous, change. Like you know, ex- exterior kind of thing. I think they. Well, I don't know if there are any achievements on the iPhone version. I assume there aren't. So, well, there I, probably are. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it does have them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I I just assumed that. That there is no real reflection of your actions. Yeah, you'd think that. Yeah, you'd kind of hope that the. It sounds neat that that it mm. would uh, reflect these situations in in like these little vignettes, play things, and that sounds cool. But if you're making decisions like that, you kind of want to feel that there is a there's a result in them. You know, mm. there has to be. Well, do do I prioritize my stuff or his stuff? You know, and. I, you know, you'd kind of, it seems meaningless, mm. like neat, but meaningless if it doesn't, if the game doesn't reflect them or acknowledge that. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose I don't really mind that there isn't some sort of branching, uh, consequences of that. It doesn't even have to be branching. Like you could just have a little bit that sort of said, Oh, you got rid of my trousers. And then like, <laughs> yeah. And then onwards, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's cute. There are there are lots. Of, it, it it describes a lot of little moments that uh, otherwise go uh, undescribed generally in fiction that I think are quite nice and neat. Um, and it is a beautiful sounding and looking game. I just wish there was a little, little bit more sort of flesh to it. As much fl- flesh as is in the garden. <laughs> Maybe not that amount of flesh. <laughs> that could be too much flesh. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the best one? I suppose. I'm intrigued. Um, Flesh fun? (laughs) (laughs) They're very different experiences. It's like comparing apples and uh, Uh, and very suggestive looking oranges. But that's the point of the question. Well, Uh, I'm very disappointed. Well, Hunt Showdown is better than both of them. So, you know. (laughs) Is it time for questions from questions? Yes. It is. Punch it, Marty. I'm punching it. I'm punching in the first question. And it's from Daniel. He says, Dear all, a PC Gamer article this week contains the following splendid paragraph. To optimise the grind, pick up four time-lost bounties and complete them by donating 400 polarised fractaline. For each 440, you'll be able to get four of your chosen weapon. Uh, although if experience is your aim, you can actually pick up seven perfect paradox time lost bounties. Mm. While this is dearer, but still only 30 polarized fractaline, mm. you can, you can get much more experience as a reward. Mm. Uh, the ed- article itself will be in the show notes. It appears to be for some Destiny 2 bullshit. Uh, which game has the worst or best jargon? Cheers, Daniel. <laughs> Well, Destiny's probably right <laughs> yeah, up there. Right. That is, that is the one. Yeah, is the d- one. I think that one does uh, outdoes everything else, doesn't I it? D- really? I don't understand. I mean, I haven't actually played the latest update, so I so wasn't destined to understand that. But even in that, doesn't even seem to make sense. 
I don't know what's going on. No, I think the numbers are wrong as well, aren't they? Yeah. 440. But yeah, that, 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 that is, yeah. that's good jogs. Really good jogs. I see what gives me the same, um, uh, weird n- buzz, uh, as that paragraph is, uh, listening to Miniatures Monthly, our, our <laughs> own sister podcast about the Warhammer world. Um, Nothing jogged me about that. And it is, uh, I find it very soothing actually in a weird way. It's almost like listening to birdsong, except people are describing Nurgle feet breathers or whatever they Bradburst are. I don't know. Blasters. Just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, that is, that is a world of unintelligible doodads. I now. think, I think that the jargon's, knowing the jargon is a sense, a sense of a, a journey completed. Yeah. Or a journey underway in the best way. <laughs> Yeah, what other games? I don't think there are any games that come quite close to I'm thinking there might be some sort of uh, uh, fantasy ones where it's kind of rather than kind mm. of fractaline, time-worn things. It's kind of... Yeah, I think I prefer games where the, the jargon um, comes from within, you know, where uh, they inspire you to to create neologisms rather than whether right. the, the law themselves prescribe particular yeah. nonsense to you yeah yeah i think that happens quite a lot especially in multiplayer games where you just come to a shared language which doesn't bear any relation often to a reality or indeed the game i think that sometimes kind of the jargon is used as a sort of a crutch for story and world building stuff where hmm. oh we, we haven't got t- space to tell a story here so we can just insert it in the name for the for the for the Mm. MacGuffin, you know, and, you know, to invite the suggestion of a wider world, which I think Destiny leans on quite a lot. It's also, I mean, Destiny's bound for it as well because it has so many different kinds of currency, essentially. Yeah. And so it needs to find different ways of categorizing these commodities. Oh, there is some, yeah, like it, there's, there's something probably to be written about the names for the core key currencies that you go through like i my god it's amazing how much time i played that game and how much thought i put into kind of how many i've got left and hmm. and how many i want and uh i can't remember what they're called but they're the ones that sort of actually power up your weapons like allow them to kind of and they they change every season or change every kind of big update and and you can go back through them. The the big one that you're collecting this season, next season will be the lower tier version. And mm. like, yeah, so they sort of, you've got to up one up it because it could be a better thing. So, you know, once you've gone time-worn fractaline, <laughs> where do you go next? Yeah. Ancient, tremendous <laughs> fractaline. Yeah. You've got to be really careful. You've got to pace yourself when it comes yeah, to jugs. Can't spaff out those adjectives too early, can you? Don't spaff your jogs. <laughs> Don't spaff your jogs. I think that's, uh, I think Kurt Vonnegut said that. Uh, Clément writes, Dear CNC, for some unclear reason, last episode made me think of Little Big Adventure, that quirky French action adventure game from the 1990s. Now you probably know it is Little Big Adventure in the UK, but I recently discovered that across the pond is called Relentless Twinsense Adventure, which is an objectively worse title because there's a colon in it. <laughs> This kind of absurd renaming is probably less frequent in our age of globalised media production, but do you have any other examples of that kind of arbitrary renaming? Alternatively, how would you rename famous games to better suit the imagined home market? Bonus points for colons. I'll start. 
Noiter should be called Wizard Wand Global Chaos Episode <laughs> One. <laughs> As always, thank you for all the fun. Keep podding and giving Captain Morgan his due. Clem. Uh, there's also a PS. Uh, a fun fact. In French, we have this thing where we often translate English film titles in wrong English in order to sound cool. For instance, for instance, for instance, instance. <laughs> uh, the hangover goes to very bad trip. Triage, eyes of war, mm. step up, sexy duds. Well, that's actually, yeah, quite, um, it's quite it, specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. Not another teen movie goes to sex academy. Jeez. <laughs> This might just be a, <laughs> just a French thing, adding yeah. more sex to things, because yeah. um, they're better at it. Wild things, sex crimes, mm-hmm. and yeah, mm. uh, and we also love to make fun of uh, Quebecois French because they tend to translate film titles quite literally into things that make sense in French. We're so clever and edgy with our titles of <laughs> sex in it. Le sigh. <laughs> Play more. <laughs> that was a good email. I enjoyed that one. Did you play Little Big Adventure? I did, yeah. Was there anything relentless about it? No, not as yeah. far as I remember. It's quite a, like, intense, intense kind of uh, reimagining of its title, isn't it? Isn't it quite a down, downbeat sort That's of game? I remember, quite, yeah. Uh... Relentlessly downbeat, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean downbeat. I mean, kind of like, you know, measured in its pace. Like, quiet. Uh, yeah, quiet. Yeah. Ruminative. I played the demo. It was very quiet. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put that in the title, though. Yeah. Oh, most people can't say it. I can't think of any good examples. Uh, of what games that have games also that been arbitrary, yeah, arbitrarily, arbitrarily renamed. renamed elsewhere. Um, hmm. Not no. He, I mean, he's right. It hasn't happened for a long time. This used to be a thing, right? Back it's, in the nineteen nineties. It's globalized, isn't it? Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. Global release windows, yeah. whatever, what yeah. have you. Uh, but what famous games would you rename? I'd rename Hunt Showdown. I mean, it's a terrible name, isn't it? Not least because it sounds like a, a game where you go and kill deer and things, uh, because there is also a game called The Hunt, I believe, in which you do exactly that. So I think horrors it's of the... It's nice it's just called a... Hunt. Yeah. Hunt. Hunt. Horrors of the bad Jeremy. swamp. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> horrors of the Gilded Age is what it's called originally. So maybe they should go really? back to that. Yeah. I think that's a little too kind of... Yeah, um, filigreed. Yeah, filigreed. Exactly. Yes, I was going to say Baruch. But, oh, uh, filigreed we're on is, the same uh, page. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they need something kind of slightly grittier and grubbier. Bad bio. Doesn't really... Um, bad Mud bio Wars boys. 5. Colon the hunt. Which what was, what was that? Sorry. Mud Wars. Mud Wars. Yeah, maybe we aren't the people who should be renaming things. Can't think of anything else, so we'll move on to Grizzly, who mm. writes, Dear all of you awesome people, what is the best game title, and why is it Sins of a Solar Empire? Kind regards, Grizzly. Thank you, Grizzly, for that uh, rather neatly um, related question. Very topic. neat. Thank yeah. yeah. I remember when uh, Sins of a Solar Empire came into the Edge office mm. circa, was it 2008 or something? Yeah. Ye- I played it. I yeah, you were the PC. <laughs> we didn't like touching the PC game. <laughs> yeah. you were, I did. And you said, oh, yes. <laughs> I think Standard and I said, better you, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you loved it. And it looked really good. And then I played it. And it was fantastic. It's a good game. Yeah. It's really I like good. watching those little icons travel across deep space before being annihilated. Good, uh, good, good space scenes. Yeah. Really good space scenes. Good name as well, I think. I think it's a good name. name. I didn't like the name, not only because it was far too redolent. I, I always, it always put, 
it made me think that it was going to be a different game. I, every time, even after I knew the game, mm. I'd think Sins of a Solar Empire. Oh, yeah. it's a space opera of, of epic proportion. Oh no, I'm moving spaceships from planet to planet <laughs> and it's really good. But I haven't committed no science since. Yeah, I think it's, it's weirdly more like a name that you would get now. Yeah, then. Like true. back then, Quite games modern. were far more kind of literal, or there were one-word titles that were meant yeah. to be evocative in some way. Where, Planet Shuffle. Whereas now you really need to hit that uh, that SEO long enough combination of words. Uh, so you can get the URL. So you get the URL, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Um, there was a, a similarly good title to uh, that, that dogfight game, that indie dogfight game, which had a similar kind of highfalutin... Love trousers? No, no, no. Um, 3D, very 3D, really beautiful. House of the Dying Sun. <laughs> that's a name. That is a name. Space combat game. Yeah. Recently came out, well, it's, a couple of years I mean, ago, that's three years ago. Quite, like, the DNA between that and Sins of a Solar Empire. <laughs> you a, kind of hope that, like, in Sins of the Solar Empire, you could, your view would seamlessly zoom into the planet yeah. and then down to the kind of the orbit and then you're in House of the Dying Sun. When you, when you start a, a mission in that, it has these drum beats. Oh, it's really yeah. bassy and like, oh, it's so good. Makes me feel sick though. <laughs> it's too smooth wonderful too nice <laughs> uh i think uh i divine cybermancy is the uh, best game title no I can't, I can't even finish that sentence that's obviously a stupid name to call your game <laughs> what even was that it was a multiplayer game right wasn't it i have no it's idea a cyberpunk never multiplayer game. never heard of it really no <laughs> cybermancy yeah divine cybermancy divine and i is spelled e dot y dot e dot it's an acronym for something, but who knows? Eggs. <laughs> eggs. Yolk. Eggs. <laughs> oh, geese, yeast. <laughs> yeast in the middle. Yeezy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Good names. G yes. <laughs> um, any other good names? I'm out of names. Ed writes in to say, Dear Cretan Roll Bars, if you could retrospectively reallocate your XP between your actual human stats, or indeed any stats... Disco Elysium, Skyrim, Slay the Spire, etc. What would you do? Regards, Ed. Hmm. A while ago, we got uh, a different question, uh, maybe many episodes ago, which I can now answer <laughs> belatedly instead of Ed's question. Um, so <laughs> think of this as just paying on a debt. Maybe in a few episodes' time, I'll answer Ed's question properly. But it is related in that um, I think somebody asked us what... Um, stat or part of what were they defined as in disco elysium the different voices in your head yeah your psyche your um yeah 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 what 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 is yours you know what is what is the one that defines you i realized i didn't really have an answer to that at the time um but i think i actually embodied the doomed commercial district um because i have i just have a problem with any transaction which involves commerce basically i can't uh, it always goes really wrong uh, whether it's just like, you know, paying somebody to clean uh, the house, for example, they ask for the huge sum of money in advance, then they turn up and they broke my bed and made the carpets wet, but otherwise didn't really appreciably reduce the filth here. Um, or, you know, I, I just go to the shops and uh, 
I'll be holding the item that I want to purchase and then I'll get home and unload a bag of completely different items that I've somehow managed to acquire. I don't know how it happens, but it happens really reliably. Like, I just can't do anything like this. <laughs> Not good at transactions. Transactions, but specifically ones involving money. Uh, uh. If I can get a bad deal, I will get a really bad deal. So what's that voice then? What is it saying in your head? It's like, oh, you need, you need these cloths and not, <laughs> and not the trousers. I don't know what it's saying because I don't think it's a voice that I can actually hear in my mind. Because otherwise, you I'm know. I'm just wondering how we'd uh, dramatize it in uh, disco. Yeah. I don't know, just constant surprise that I've somehow managed to pick up some kind of foot cream instead of toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) I um, If there was one stat that I'd like to reduce in me, it's sort of restless inquisitiveness that stops me from actually going deep on a thing. (laughs) It's really annoying. You can get drugs for that, I think, Alex. You just need Ritalin. Yes, Ritalin. (laughs) I think I first noticed it when, or like was fully aware of it when I got a CD of Spectrum games back in, you know, when you sort of, you know, early internet days Mm. and suddenly people were compiling big kind of, you know, it was the conjunction of internet and 640 megabytes of storage right and uh in which you could basically put all of all of the spectrums kind of you know library on and i you know it's one of those things where you think it's a really good idea until you start dabbling in game after game after game and feeling worse and worse about yourself (laughs) and getting bored almost into you know not that these games are you know good or particularly right. playable, but being bored and frustrated with games mm. in an instant after they've actually flashed onto the screen. And uh, yeah, it's that. I'd like to reduce that stat and put mm. it into some sort of concentration stat. That would be good. Okay. Yeah, so you're actually flipping it. You're basically uh, taking the numbers out of that and putting it into yeah. a, the stat, which is the opposite. Yeah. You wouldn't You wouldn't put it into a different unrelated stat? Uh, uh, like... Uh, Good at sports. Really? You want to be better at sports? Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great to walk down the street and think, I'm really good at football? Wouldn't that be great, wouldn't it? I don't know. I don't know if I could ever bring myself to give a fuck about sports, (laughs) even if I was really good at them. This is what I'm saying. I think you would. I think you'd love the sports. You'd go, God, I really do see the intrinsic quality of Everton now that I'm good at the football. (laughs) Oh, God, God forbid. (laughs) No. Uh, I, in fact, I'm going to take what little appreciation of sport I have and put it all into fucking bartering <laughs> just so I can buy the right kind of orange juice from the shop for once and get a man to do a thing properly for me rather than break things instead, literally the opposite of what I hired them to do. Uh, just a little uh, a note that um, this, this, this event happened uh, about six months ago now and he's still angry. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the archetypal one of this is when I, I uh, our boiler was on the blink so i had to try and get a man to come and do it and uh, uh instead of fixing the boiler what he did was he sandwiched a wire between the wall and the boiler casing such that it got really hot and not only made the entire casing of the boiler and the thing in, in live but then uh, blew out the electricity in the house which is <laughs> you know not, I still not, paid him. I still paid him. I don't understand why. <laughs> and apologised for. And yes, sorry yeah. for calling you out. It's, it's a really tricky boiler. I, I know it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's such a convenient, inconvenient place. Sorry about you doing a job. Yeah, and almost killing 
myself and, and yourself. <laughs> Setting your and, cars on fire. And probably, yeah, causing electrical fire. <sighs> it always happens, Alex. I don't know how I can stop it. I think not deal with them and have someone else do it. Yeah. yeah. But then I'm going to get ripped off by my personal assistant, aren't oh, I? They're going to yeah. embezzle yeah. all my wealth, <laughs> such as it is. Well, you will ask them to do the wrong thing. I'll get home one day and locks will be changed to my house. He'll be like, I own it now. Get out. I'll say, <laughs> thank you. That's the sad code of this. And sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry you own my house now. Yeah. There's actually a bit of damp in the... Oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, George writes, deeply confused as to why I am referred to alternately as Marsh and or Martin, uh, also something for which I apologize for. Uh, I've confused everybody with this. My name is actually Martin, but my nickname from school age was Marsh. And so at a very confusing point in my life, when I started getting bylines and I was already working as Marsh as an illustrator, I decided to bring the two strands of my work together so that I would start getting bylines under Marsh Davis but everybody who knew me in the writing community already referred to me as Martin or Marty. And so it really just, <laughs> really just confused literally everybody in, in, uh, in my personal acquaintance. And, uh, I'm very sorry for it, but it's really good for SEO. So what can I say? Chloellen writes, hello, poignant peas in a pod. Recently, I started listening to your podcast for the first time in about 300 episodes. I've been familiar with your musings since the PC Gamer podcast and the first few months of Creighton Crowbar. I stopped listening until now for quite a strange reason. I simply enjoyed it too much. I had such a great time listening, I felt rather envious of the satisfying and interesting conversations you were having. Fortunately, I'm much happier and secure with myself, and I can now listen contently. Which leads me to my question. Have you experienced anything similar yourselves? Is there anything that inspires you to such a degree it's almost paralysing? If so, how do you manage your inspirations? I get a huge amount of energy when I play, watch, listen to something inspiring, and it's frustrating if I don't use that energy appropriately. I'll be busy catching up on that 300-episode backlog. Much love, Cluellen. Oh, Yeah, or I do recognise that, though. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think that it's... um Because, I, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want to kind of represent for you, but I think we I get to work in something that I love uh personally hmm. but that does mean because because it's about creating things i like to listen to things where that are good quality and also relate to the thing that i do for a living hmm. and if they're making something quality relating to my work i tend to feel oh god i've missed out on doing that or oh god hmm. i wish i'd done that Oh God, I'm not good enough to do that. <laughs> so yeah, it is kind of bittersweet in that way. So I do kind of recognize that feeling. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, less specifically about, uh, the games industry, but certainly I, I mean, Facebook was, was, was a big, uh, engine of, uh, negative emotions for me, including envy, I think for a brief period of time in my life. And, uh, just because I, I mean, everybody lives their lives at different speeds and uh and there's no kind of synchronization i think it takes a long time for you to realize that when you're you're younger and so you see people accelerating off in their careers and maybe like a lot of your peers uh start doing well or doing interesting things or having uh lives that are very easily instagrammable um or whatever the facebook equivalent was back in i don't know 2006 or something um 
um, but it doesn't mean that you you can't do that stuff or you won't be able to do that stuff mm. or, or that you, you you're forbidden from those kind of meaningful things or even that those things are really that meaningful um or even true or even true <laughs> yes <laughs> and you'll get there and you'll have the the fun times <laughs> basically at some point uh you don't need to feel rushed about these things but there was a period where i felt like uh, i was not doing very well mm. in in my career uh, and I felt a, an incredible sense of failure, basically, because I'd been told that I would do well and I wasn't. And lots of people who I knew were doing really well or seeming to do really well. And that was sad and annoying for me. Um, but then I realized it was all bullshit and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I think these things definitely come in waves like that. Yeah. yeah. And they're usually product or at least very deeply related to, you know, other issues of, of sort of self, self, self-kindness i suppose yeah yeah you just need to give yourself time really don't you yeah 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 but yeah the, the social media oh yeah i have varying relationship relationships with social media i can't look at facebook um i don't look at twitter very much anymore i, th I feel healthier for it you know in myself because think, yeah, yeah you do sit you do only notice the stuff that you feel you're missing out on right yeah you know, it's not all that's on it, obviously, but yeah, I think that sort of stuff can always easily make you feel that everyone else is having a good time. Well, nobody posts, uh, you know, true mundanity, do they? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're only going to post the highlights or the lowlights and, the, you know, Twitter is just wall to wall lowlights right now. Uh, and Facebook still seems to be mostly highlights, but they're of lives that are quite alien to me since I don't intend to, uh, create children. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that heavily invested in other people's stories about their kids. In terms of things being inspiring to the point of paralysis, I think I, I do get that, uh, periodically when I see, uh, work, uh, particularly, particularly art, which is, uh, of a level which I, I feel I, I would wish to achieve, but I'm, I'm not quite at that level. Uh, and again, it's 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 a thing that you can cure by being kind to yourself because um, there's a there's a really interesting there's a, some kind of I can't remember who did it, but there's a graph of sort of your uh, perceived skill and your actual skill, and these things sort of track slightly independently of a, of each other. So there's always there's always periods where your uh, ability to perceive quality outstrips your ability to achieve mm. it and it becomes very frustrating and then your ability to achieve quality catches up with your ability to perceive it and that's and that's very satisfying but then you reach another kind of level of revelation where suddenly you realize what the next thing is to attain and you know that you can't get there and so it, it is um it, it's frustrating to see to try and do things which are out of your reach but you need to know that they will one day be in your reach if you just persist basically i think that's my shitty cod cod wisdom for you. Mm. Tom writes, has the big town problem not been solved in real life with the invention of the open top bus tour? What games big town would you most like to enjoy being shown by a charismatic walking tour guide? <laughs> the big town saga continues. Mm. Should we, we should probably explain the big town yeah. problem quite quickly. Just mm. to, That is our to, own destiny level jargon. It is. Uh, big town problem is the one where you're playing a uh, role playing game and you arrive in the first uh, large kind of area 
where you know it's usually a town and suddenly lots of choices ahead of you do you go and that's your that street and there are people all over the place and quest givers and mm. and you just think oh god i can't handle this and you switch off um <laughs> the going on a tour i <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> really funny. solve it does it it doesn't really because i think one of the so to, the core problem with the big town is as of, of choice paralysis but a subsidiary and contributing factor is the fact that the first conversation you have with a person, a character in Big Town, is the character who tells you what all the districts of Big Town are. You know, over here is the commercial district. Oh, you should visit Bertha, who has an amazing weapon store. And oh, yes, and you should tell them, understand about the history. Oh, yes, tell me about the history of the big castle. Oh, yes, well, in 1296. <laughs> and, and that, in fact, is the precise place that I switch off because I cannot be fucked to be told about the history of Big Town <laughs> because I don't care about Big Town. I want to get out of Big Town. So the open, so the man, this, this character, this hapless character, so helpful, uh, uh, is the open top bus tour. And I want him to catch a flat and I want him to roll down the hill. Oh, hopefully with nobody else inside. <laughs> yeah. I'd quite like, uh, a really, uh, hammy ghost tour of, uh, the bayou. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, actually, um, I died, died here. here and, um, I... here she is. She's now covered in bees. <laughs> uh, actually, I went on a, uh, on a ghost tour of, um, New Haven, which is where I was living in the States. But what was weird about it was just how, um, how lame the ghosts were. <laughs> this is like, this is like the, the, the East Coast. So it's the, you know, it's the coastline of fucking Edgar Allan Poe and, uh, uh, <laughs> the shining guy. What's his name? Uh, uh, Stephen King. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so you'd think there'd be some kind of depths to mine, but they're all really lame ghosts. They're like, yeah, it's, uh, sometimes you see a lady in this window. <laughs> <laughs> mate come on i want i want somebody you know a, a flaming skeleton at least one flaming skeleton pursuing people down the street <laughs> nothing like that yeah sometimes uh sometimes you can feel a, a strange presence as you walk past this restaurant there was an unexpected mm. wind one day yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's a ghost dog that's the, that is literally the most exciting of the ghosts in New Haven. What does that ghost dog do? Uh, yaps, runs around. Mm. I well, mean, I mean, the only thing interesting about it is the fact it's a dog, really. So the thing is, they sound very, they're super mundane and basically boring, but, mm. uh, they are, they do at least sound as if they are earnestly believed by some people. Well, this because guy, they're yeah. so boring. He's you like, know. I'm, I'm very open-minded. I'm very open-minded. Uh, I'm, I actually, I'm actually a cynic. I'm actually a skeptic. I come to this with a skeptic view, but this house is very haunted. It is very, very haunted. There's a, sometimes you can see a woman in the window. <laughs> <laughs> There's extremely a woman, yeah. extremely in the window. Yeah. Yeah, he was very enthusiastic. So open-minded and a skeptic. Yeah, I'm not sure he quite managed to internalise what either of those <laughs> phrases meant. But he was wearing a top hat, so you couldn't really argue with oh, it. Fair enough, yeah. Henry writes, Dear crate and crowded bars. When I explain the world to my one-year-old daughter, I feel like I'm in a point-and-click adventure game, repeating the same pre-recorded phrases about the same objects over and over again. 
that's a plant. We can't play with that. <laughs> I would say when she points, excitedly points at it for the hundredth time. <laughs> that's a plant. <laughs> that's a plant. That's a plant. That's a dog. That's a plant. Did you ever feel in this so-called real life like you're in a video game? Keep podding those lovely casts. Henry from Germany. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, aren't we all in a simulation, maybe, Alex? Maybe. Mm. Can't prove not, can yeah, you? can't. Who would care to? It's a boring question. Um, yeah. I wonder whether his daughter is as bored playing this point and click <laughs> as she ought to be. Oh, every time I click on it, I go, oh, I accidentally clicked on the, on the, on the plant and now he's telling yeah. me. Well, the important thing is for, for Henry to have a wide variety of no responses. Uh, so it's At not least just, four. I can't use these things together and that won't work. I can't use these things together. That won't work. <laughs> that won't work. You've only got two responses. Yeah. I want a third. No, that's the, those are the only two. No! So you need to develop more, basically. Okay. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. <laughs> I remember when I started wearing glasses for the first time, it coincided uh, with my first foray into uh, the use, I think then the Unreal 1 engine. Um, or maybe it was actually, maybe it was Quake mapping in, in the original Quake engine. Um, and the way that light would catch mm. on the side of your glasses and the fact that your glasses have a sort of, uh, have a different, created a mismatch between straight lines that are going into your range of focal vision now, um, made me, uh, feel like I was constantly observing BSP errors or the, which would create the hall of mirrors effect as it was known. Um, which would, you know, very distinctive sort of repeating uh artifact pattern so i guess that's like being in big glasses yeah yeah i needed bigger glasses (laughs) (laughs) you know what actually it's not really video games because Mm. because on the other hand like my kids watching my kids you know who have grown up with modern games you Mm -hmm. know and they actually sort of, I think they've kind of been taught work ethics from games because there's just really? so much you have to do. You know, like huh. Minecraft and, you know, kind of just well, SP But do, do they else. feel that they deserve an equal reward for the amount of work they put in? Because that will not be the case during life. Possibly not. But the worst things are um, stuff like, um, you know, they believe that just that things come. Just everything is just available. Everything is just there. Hmm. And that's not because of games. It's because of Netflix and stuff like that. Right. Where in, in things are just always available hmm. or without, you know, without hassle or, or with as few frictional things hmm. in the way. And it does mean they ask for things way outside of anything I'd have asked when I was a kid. Oh, can we, can we, can we do this? Can we have that? It's like, no, <laughs> really? Yeah, it costs money. No way. Huh? But things that aren't the kind of media that's consumable. Yeah, no, quite... unrelated. Yeah, yeah, oh, like, right. Yeah, but particularly digital things, I think. But but in general, like, oh, can I have this? Can I have that? Like what? Like a pet whale? What? Yeah, like whales. Or hmm. the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's an expectation of just sort of, nah, I can have it. That's in them. Hmm. Maybe we just bought them up badly though. <laughs> really enough it's not games i did worry for a long time that that games would be teaching some really strange kind of um mm. values that, that uh like yeah everything everything is equally available as long as you put the work in you know mm. kind of strange kind of 
you know you grind and you get your uh, your get golden pauldrons yeah pauldrons even thing or am I pauldrons pauldrons yeah you and your weaponry you're not like mm. what was it the ba- balsonets what was that <laughs> the bardiche I Bar- believe <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was corrected by our knife expert, Chris Thurston. That was an uncomfortable amount of... Uh, Stabbing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well. Well, well. Should we leave it there? Let's. Those are all the questions that we have. From um, questions. From questions this week. You can send us more questions at questions at creatingcrowbar.com or you can tweet them to our Twitter account at creatingcrowbar. Uh, you can also watch these episodes on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash creating crowbar. And you can fund these episodes, should you wish to, at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash creating crowbar. Thank you to all who support us on Patreon. They're very good people. And many of them come from our wonderful Discord community, which mm. is the uh, enduring delight of this podcast. Yes. I think one of the only good things from, that has ever been born of my existence. <laughs> 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 this has been a downbeat episode. <laughs> downbeat. No, that's that's a that's a highlight. It's a highlight. <laughs> Discord. Anyway, uh, and you can find the link to that on our website, which is creatingcrowbar.com. I am Marsh Davis, or Martin Davis, if you wish to be further confused by my indecision. I've been joined this evening by the very lovely Alex Wiltshire. Taco de Taco Get ourselves amped up, pumped up, Alex, pumped up. Are you ready? Are you ready to rock and roll? I don't want to.